You are listening to the Hybrid Hospitality Podcast. If you're interested in the trends that are transforming hospitality and want to explore what the future of the industry might look like, then you're in the right place. This podcast is brought to you by Stay the Night, a creative marketing agency working with hospitality businesses around the world who are changing the way people stay, work and play. Hi, I'm Rosie Willen, co-founder of Stay the Night, and in this episode, I'll be interviewing Jonathan Schiff, the founder of Nomadic, a luxury co-living company in Singapore. With hospitality, community, and sustainability at its core, Nomadic focus on providing beautifully designed homes in Singapore's most sought-after neighbourhoods. Central to the Nomadic experience is an ever-evolving lifestyle programme, which features thought-provoking events and activities designed to connect and inspire their residents. Jonathan's background is in investment and private equity, including co-managing the Schiff family office with investments in real estate, hospitality, finance, TMT, healthcare and space tech. In this episode, we hear how Nomadic curate their communities, why giving back is central to the brand and what makes co-living an attractive prospect for investors. Hi, Jonathan. Welcome to the Hybrid Hospitality Podcast. Uh, thank you, you so much, Rosie. Over there in Singapore. Um, yeah, thank you, Rosie. No worries. And so first of all, can you tell me a little bit about the inspiration behind Nomadic? Yeah, sure. So what happened was, you know, I come from a real estate hospitality background. And in the fourth quarter, towards the end of 2018, a number of companies in co-living, whether it was here in Singapore and other, um, one in London, actually, a couple of others, they all approached me about either investing or advising them or, you know, somehow getting involved. And so I just decided to take a year and kind of travel around the world and stay in a bunch of places and kind of get to learn the space and see if there was an opportunity there. What I found and subsequently did all research on it was there's a pretty deep desire for people to connect. And really, this is what one of the primary um, pillars of co-living is. So, you know, people are looking for more out of their residential experience these days. And it's not only just like, hey, I want a nice space or this type of thing. It's really, I want some connection with other interesting, inspirational people I want to um, hopefully do some fun, cool activities with them. And, you know, maybe even stuff that's out of the box that I would like to do normally in my life, but I just don't have to take the time to do so or to time to figure it out. And so we kind of started Nomadic based on those three premises. Number one, people want some nice, spacious, like aesthetically pleasing homes They want to live with people that are going to inspire and, you know, kind of help them to grow. And then they want to do a lot of cool, interesting stuff that, you know, we help program. So more of a lifestyle than just, you know, a place to live, if you will. Yeah, absolutely. And so I was going to ask about because community is obviously one of the central things of co-living and of nomadic. And so how do you facilitate that sense of community and like the genuine connection between residents on site? Yeah, so... So obviously, you know, there's pre-COVID, there's a post-COVID. I think it starts with before people come to live with us, we really get to know them. What are their experiences, their aspirations? 
their cultural sensitivities, those types of things. And, you know, what are they looking for out of the co-living experience? And then we're able to, um, you know, really figure out if we're able to service what they're looking for. Through that process, we've gathered a pretty interesting, inspirational cohort of people. What's really helped us, I mean, you know, prior to COVID coming into effect, we, we would have like parties and opportunities for people to get together. During our lockdown here in Singapore, we did a lot of online stuff. And since we've kind of come out of that, you know, there's restrictions on gathering sizes. We've had more intimate events and whatnot, but that's really helping the people to bond. In terms of the connection and whatnot, it really starts with the curation of the community. Mm-hmm. And fortunately, we have people that are all like very interesting and have a variety of backgrounds and experiences. But what they share in commonality is you know, they're very altruistic, very culturally aware and sensitive. Most of them have lived in multiple jurisdictions throughout their lives. So that's kind of a core base of just getting some good people to live together. And then it kind of grows from there. Yeah. And so typically co-living has been positioned as something that appeals to younger demographics, but I know that's not been the trend you've necessarily seen with your residents at Nomadic. Um, why do you yeah, think yeah. Yeah, and this kind of this kind of came up when it, you know during 2019, my you know my year abroad, if you will, um, where I was kind of like just spending a lot of time learning about the space, and I, I talked to a number of people. Hey, would this be something that would interest you? And a lot of times, the answers came back is yeah, you know the concept is interesting, but you know per- perhaps the product type or the experience really doesn't fit my lifestyle. Because, you know, I, you know I've, I've had a little bit more experience in my life and um, in terms of career or personal. And, you know, we are veering towards people that are a little bit older. And so they, they thought that a lot of the existing products that were out there right now didn't really um, cater to what they were looking for. But there was that need. Mm-hmm. And um, it's, it's kind of interesting, this whole sense of, I mean, maybe it doesn't become co-living maybe it's more community living or something like that I've, I've always been trying to figure out a new way of referring to it but I think that this could be something that where different groups of different people kind of gather in communities and live together accordingly and support each other accordingly I mean you know I've got three young kids I mean to be honest with you well we're in Singapore so we fortunately we can have help here help, um, in terms of raising but if there was a co-living building that was, you know, all families and, you know, one, one couple wants to go out to dinner on a Friday night and they kind of drop the kids off at the neighbors and this and that. And like, that's just the accepted norm. Or, you know, people are talking about more like an evolution of assisted living where it's co-living a, for like a senior population or this. So I think there's going to be a lot of different populations that can really attach to this form of living. It's just, we happen to be addressing a little bit of an older demographic, if you will, right now. Yeah. And I think that's really interesting because I think over the last 10 months or however long it's been now, it feels like 10 years since we've been in this pandemic, everybody's been isolated. I know here in the UK, it's not been just one demographic. And I think it's interesting. Do you think after this period, it's going to lead to an increase in interest in co-living and things like that because of that isolation or...? Yeah, so we saw this. Um, so we had our lockdown in Singapore, 
And during that period, a lot of people were reaching out. In fact, in fact, we had somebody that basically sent us a check. Like she's like, I I don't care if you have a place or this or that, but here's here's a check. Please just don't forget about me and this and that. And, and she's she's wonderful, by the way. But you know, not only that one particular person, but also a couple of other people. They came to us and they said, listen. I, by nature, I'm an introverted person. So I'm not, you know, the social butterfly that's going to go out every Friday, Saturday, Thursday night. But at the same time, being locked by myself in my house for like three, four, six months is just a little too much. And in Singapore, we only had a two-month lockdown, actually. So I think that was something else that we were really trying to appeal to was this less traditional audience that's people that are more introverted. So they don't have to feel like they have to be you know, on point socially all the time, or, you know, um, we, yeah, we've been going after some of these other like less traditional populations, if you will. I mean, for some reason, we're skewing more female centric as opposed mm -hmm. to male centric. Yeah, that's, that's how it's working out. Yeah. And it's something that we with our own clients, um, just to touch on what you said about kind of finding, we really stress it's about finding the right kind of person and not just anybody to get through the door. And I think that's something that's even more important in co-living because if you want to create that great experience, you kind of want residents to gel a little bit. So how do you target the right people through your marketing for Nomadic? One of the things that we do is like, if you go to our website or one of the things that we talk about, you know, it's very values based mm. and listen, I'm Oh, I just turned 47 and this is all my COVID white hair. So I'm 47. I've kind of hit a point in my life where professionally I've been very fortunate and it was like, okay, let's do something, but it's not solely driven like, Hey, you know, let's build this as quick as possible and have the biggest company and, you know, hopefully make the most money as quick as possible. It's more like, okay, let's do something that's a little more organic. And we kind of shepherd this along but it's also very values-based. So a lot of the programming we do is around that. Or two of the biggest things are really about environmental sustainability and you know social service, if you will. So in Singapore, we've set a lot up a lot of events that are about social service. People come live with us. Every person that lives with us, we make a donation to the Rainforest Trust that goes out and buys rainforests and preserves them forever, basically. That's one thing. We're like, okay, if you're if you really appeal to that. And then obviously one thing is in terms of the spaces and the space allocation and the cost, that's something that's, you know, for better, or for worse is kind of something that can be an inhibitor a little bit. That being said, I mean, you know, it's, it's a little bit of an older demographic. So people want an environment that's a little more laid back and whatnot, but it just so happens that the pricing also kind of creates that a little bit. Um, but then it's really just communication with people. And when we meet people, the first thing we do is we call them, we talk to them, we have an exchange with them. When we give property tours, a little bit's like, okay, here's the place, but it's much more about, hey, you know, what are your interests? What are you doing? And we also talk about the way that we look at things. So I guess that's a way that we're really kind of selecting that audience or people are self-selecting us, if you will. Yeah, so it's almost a back and forth rather than one way yeah, communication. Yeah. Yeah. And, the, and, the, and that's one feedback that I've gotten is people really appreciate the fact that, you know, our process isn't as transactional. Yeah. So we're not saying, okay, here's a place. Great. Sign it. Give us a security deposit. We're done. It's really a process of getting to know people. And especially 
as people are coming in from overseas, some of our residents, we spend a lot of time getting to know them before they get here. In some situations, helping them in terms of, you know, when they get on the ground and, you know, kind of acclimating to Singapore, if you will. Yeah, I really like that because I think it then goes away from you're just someone selling to someone rather that feels like you're a friend who's helping them as a brand figure out if this is right for them and if it's a good fit. So that's really great. I was going to mention giving back because actually I think how this came about, we did a blog post at the end of last year about um, hospitality businesses and co-living spaces who were giving back in 2020. And I know that that's a really important thing to know, Maddox. So why was that personally important to you to kind of embed that in your business plan almost? It's a personal passion, if you will. Um, So that's one thing. And then it was also like, hey, why don't we try this out and see if this is something that resonates with people? I mean, we're always listening to the market for feedback, if you will. And it just so happens it is something that really resonates with people. It's been this positive feedback loop. Like one of our most popular events was on a Saturday morning, we went to one of the food banks and we basically packaged up a bunch of boxes that we put on pallets like everybody basically did like we were, well, we were working in a warehouse. So, you know, all of our residents like basically were warehouse workers for like three, four hours and people loved it. I mean, the, the one shame is we couldn't all go out to lunch afterwards because of social distancing, but people love that. Or we had something that was like where we did a run and then people like gauged their run and then that money went to charity and people had a lot of fun with that. So on the one hand they were doing, good but at the same time like you know a couple of them went on a 10k walk together and they became really good friends and this and that so it just emanates from I'm kind of at this point in my life well I, I've kind of grown up this way where it's like hey just give back you know knock on wood I've been a very lucky guy for a very long time so it's just recognizing those blessings and trying to get back accordingly and it also helps create a sense of community I mean we live in the city. We're part of this. How can we help this? We live on this planet. We're part of this. How can we help like our small community help a bigger community, if you will? Yeah. And I think that's been like really nice to see in, across the industry and also really important at this time. I think it's something that consumers are valuing a lot more. They want to know where they're putting their money, if those businesses align with their, their own values. And I think, yeah, it's been great to see. And so just to go back to the beginning so you launched Nomadic in January 2020 I believe just before COVID-19 really hit great great timing huh (laughs) so what was the like impact of that and how did you adapt so quickly from just opening well fortunately we you know we we hadn't built like this whole like legacy structure but really what happened with COVID um and it's still it's still a lesson because obviously there's still restrictions but it was really useful for us because people went into lockdown and they were forced to live with each other. And so we realized like, okay, first of all, the curation that we're doing in terms of our community, that part seemed to be really working because we didn't have many situations where people didn't get along with each other. Thank God. (laughs) And then, you know, how are people really, really using the space? So instead of saying, okay, you know, 12, 14, 16 hours a day, they're outside they come back, they go to sleep, they take a shower, they leave the, they leave the house again. It's like, no, 24 hours a day, here they are. And how are they using the spaces? And then, you know, what are the things we can do to really 
and gender community and what do people really value? I mean, you know, we had a, we had a cooking class because literally, and I'm going to laugh because a few of them were friends of mine before they even lived with us. But uh, a few of the guys just didn't know how to cook. So we were like, okay, we're going to, you know, we, we, we got the chef from one of the restaurants and we did a cooking class, like some really basic stuff. But then also things like candle making were really popular. So I think that COVID from a humanity perspective, and I hope we don't lose this, it's given t- people the time to kind of slow down a little bit and reassess what's important in life, which is great. So that happened to us as a company and also as individuals. And, you know, obviously some of the learnings we've gotten from that we're carrying forward now. And like I said, fortunately, I didn't like have this crazy, huge legacy business that we built up by just, you know, churning, churning, churning. So that gave us some room to really sit back and reflect on some of the assumptions that we made early on. Yeah. I think one of the things that's come out of this period is the acceleration towards remote working. Your largest property, Meadow, is described as optimized for working from home situations. Mm -hmm. And so I think, what opportunities do you think this presents for co-living operators specifically? So I think what will happen is obviously there's going to have to be a consideration of the living environment and knowing that people are going to be using it more intensively than they have in the past. I mean, I mean, really one of the um, things that we went into this thinking about was like, okay, what is the actual usage of the space? And, you know, co-living works out pretty well because, you know, when you have like a single or a couple or this or that, and let's say they get a studio apartment, they're never going to use the kitchen all the time. I mean, you know, I, I lived in China in the late nineties and I had a two bedroom apartment and besides my bedroom, the living room and the bathroom, I maybe used the kitchen once in a while. Otherwise I was out the whole time figuring out that optimal use of space, but then taking into consideration that now people are working from home and how do we create those environments where they can do so and feel comfortable and not be on top of each other, if you will. I think that's a huge opportunity. Maybe there will be a little bit of subsidies from companies for living because now companies are saving a lot of money on office space, if you will. So maybe that's something that ends up happening. Yeah, definitely. And other than that, do you see any big opportunities come in for co-living after this period other than the remote working? Yeah, 100%. I mean, it's kind of been gravitating towards it, but I just think more and more people want to connect and they want to have like a community. So this is an additional community. So at least for us, a lot of our residents already have their network of friends. They already have their network of like professional relationships, but they're saying, Hey, I want to come here. And these are some other people that I may not have known or lived like ever known before. I want to augment my personal relationships and my professional relationships with this additional audience And just the way that we're curating it, it's kind of a little bit of a different take on how they may traditionally develop their relationships. So I think that's an opportunity. But, but, you know, there's actually there's a great book, but there's a lot of research on why the city is actually a, a really efficient unit, if you will, of having people live together and congregate together and this and that. So obviously right now with COVID, that's being challenged a little bit. But I think what will happen is people will probably go back to cities because as a, as a unit, it's very efficient. And then 
within those big cities, they're going to want to look at like finding some special core communities that they can be a part of. Yeah. So instead of having a city of 10 million people that are just wandering all over the place, you have 10 million cities, but there 10 million person city, but then you have, you know, all these like sub communities within that. And that happens a little bit, but co-living changes it because it's a little more deliberate instead of happenstance, if you will. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think speaking of big cities then, do you have any plans to expand outside of Singapore? In the, in the 100%. Future? Yeah, yeah. If I can ever get back on an airplane. Um, <laughs> actually, it's funny. I was talking to someone this morning that's uh, a, a recruiter for the real estate industry. And, you know, unfortunately, our industry is one where you just have to, like, go to a place and see something and touch something before you can really make a commitment or roll something out. You almost have to like feel the ground and touch the ground. And so um, we're limited at the moment, but for sure, Southeast Asia is a very, very, very dynamic region right now. There's a lot of growth going on. People from all over the world are coming here. And I think we can add a lot of value too, because one of our, our initial inspirations, which we've kept with is coming to a new place, coming to a new continent, new country, we want to help people to acclimate to that. So meet some cool people, learn about the city, do some cool stuff. That, that was really a lot of our original vision. And a lot of these other cities, I think we could do that even in a very much more value added way. I mean, Singapore is kind of an easy city to get acclimated to, but there's other places like Saigon or Ho Chi Minh's an amazing city. There's a number of places in Thailand that are amazing, but it's just the process of getting on the ground and getting acclimated and learning about cool stuff to do and meeting people. It takes longer in those cities. So we want to help people to get through that process. Yeah, definitely. And so you mentioned yeah. the real estate and I know that your background is in hospitality and real estate investment. Right. So from yeah. that perspective, why do you think co-living can be an attractive opportunity for investors? If the space is optimized very well and we're able to add a lot of software, if you will, like a lot of like intangible things that create a lot of value, then probably on a per square foot basis, you know, we can realize some um, additional yield, if you will. So from that perspective, and I think that where we are in the industry, I've, I've talked to a number of friends that, you know, they, they invest in uh, projects in the UK, like um, student housing projects. And so 10, 15 years ago, student housing from an investor perspective was kind of this very, very, very niche thing. And now it's, you know, Blackstone's in the student housing business. And so I think that we're kind of at that point in co-living, mm. if you will. Yeah. yeah. And so if we were to fast forward, say, 10 years down the line, what uh -huh. do you think the most significant changes will be in the co-living landscape then? Well, first of all, I think it'll be much more recognized and it'll become a much more viable option for a lot of different individuals, couples, maybe even families. I imagine there will be a lot of uh, niche operators that are kind of addressing specific segments. Hopefully, the entire industry will improve in terms of the community curation. Hopefully that'll improve the content curation. Hopefully that'll improve and we'll really be able to add value to people and add value to their, their living experience, if you will, like really give them a very cool lifestyle experience. Yeah. And so yeah. 
Finally, so what's in store for Nomadic for the rest of this year then? Yeah, that's a great question. So basically, I'm in the process of building the team. We're actually bringing on some community people, some community managers, if you will, looking for some more projects in Singapore. And, you know, depending on how the landscape works out over the next 12 to 18 months with, you know, vaccine rollouts and do people start traveling again? Do people start moving to different cities again? Obviously, we'd like to start looking at other markets too. Yeah. In, in Southeast Asia to start. Yeah. yeah. And where's the first place you're going to travel when you're allowed to get on a plane again then? Oh, my gosh. Um, <laughs> well, I don't know about a plane. So, so actually, you know, we booked one of these. They call them a cruise to nowhere. Um, and like, I'm okay. Listen, I, I, you know, I've traveled everywhere. So I, I'm kind of like, hey, I can sit still and be fine. But my wife's a little bit anxious. So... Um, we're doing a cruise to nowhere, which we basically get on a boat in Singapore and we cruise around for three or four days and then we come back. As far as travel, honestly, you know, my wife is from Macau, which uh, is next to Hong Kong. It'd be nice to go back there, uh, see her family. My mom is in Las Vegas. It'd be nice to see her. I mean, I think that's more that type of thinking. But if, if you were to talk about just like personally where it'd be great to go, either a beach in Thailand or, you know, the mountains of Japan. Yeah. And, and, and actually the sum, summertime in Japan is unbelievable too. So that would be a, a top choice. No, I know. I think I was having the same conversation with my friend the other day and it was like, on the one hand, I'd love to be on a like beach in the Caribbean. But on the other hand, I'd take just going like three hours up north in the UK and seeing my friends, to be honest. I think everyone's totally. focused on that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. So thanks so much for coming on, Jonathan. It's been oh, great to have you. Thank you. For those listening who want to find out more about Nomadic, you can visit their website at www.nomadic.world. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode of the Hybrid Hospitality Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe if you'd like to be the first to hear about new episodes. We'd love it if you could leave a rating, and if you'd like to follow us on social media, you can do so. Just search Stay the Night on LinkedIn or head to at Stay the Night Co over on Instagram. For more information about what we do, visit www.staythenight.net. Until next time, thanks for listening.